Hi, I'm Justin Haugen. He, him, his. So, Justin, tell us a little bit about yourself professionally. Uh, professionally, <laughs> not so much in the last year. Um, all right. Uh, no. I have been a full time. Skip back to 2019. Yeah. Let's go back to where it all began. And I realized I just took like a loud sip. Like, so it's going to be an ASMR, like Justin drinking martinis podcast. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to just drink too closely to the microphone. Um, it all began in 1983. Uh, <laughs> let's, not go, let's not go that yeah. far back. Um, I started shooting professionally full time about, what is it? What year is this? Because I don't remember the last year. It's 2021. 20, oh, eight years in June. It'll be eight years full full time. And um, I have been shooting in professionally in some capacity for the, since 2004. Four. So I'm looking at almost 17 years now with a camera in my hand. And I never thought I'd be doing anything that long for that long. Again, I didn't think I'd have like one thing that I'd be locked into because I tended to be like a jack of all trades invested in a lot of different um, things in graphic design and multimedia Do stuff. Do you have but, commitment issues, Justin? I mean, when I was younger. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> uh, no, no, but I've, I've been in a long-term, it's the longest, lo- longest relationship I've ever been in. It's 17 years Aww. with photography. So I think that's... Aww. Yeah, it's our 17 year anniversary this year. Um, yeah, I actually got my start in photographing automotive photography. I was really like every young guy. I was really into cars, but like not like cool cars, like shitty Japanese cars that were budget, like budget cars, like a niece, like a 98 Nissan Sentra. And I'd throw a coffee can muffler on it and um, and like a 10 inch subwoofer. And I was just got you know had that whole situation going on so like nothing cool with cars but i, I like to photograph cool cars cool cars that were cooler than mine so i did I, I actually did a lot of publication work for some tuning magazine car tuning magazines not to be confused with cartoons but uh the whole scene was where they would tune up these you know shitty cars and make them into faster louder cooler cars and i got pretty wrapped up in that industry for a while and was photographing um editorial spreads and uh, race events in California but it wasn't very long after that before someone asked you that one like that magic question hey can you shoot our wedding which means can you do our wedding really cheap if they know you're like a fledgling photographer and um, yeah so um, I think that I think my first wedding never shot a wedding previous to this $500 with a Canon 20D a 70 to 200 uh, f4l and I think I had a kit lens like an 18 to 55 oh and a nifty 50 so oh that nifty 50 yeah Mm. so not great essential kit for shooting a wedding but uh i did some weekend warrioring wedding shoots um over the years while i had a day job i worked at a local defense contractor in tucson and then in 2013 i got canned because there was a reduction in force nice way to say layoff or fired and (laughs) Uh, I didn't, yeah, I didn't really have a lot in the way of like job skills outside of printing. I was, I was really into the printing industry. I was, I worked in print shops. I worked at a print shop at my last job. And then I always had those conversations with with my good friend. He's a, he worked there and helped me get my job there. And we'd always have these long walks at, you know, our breaks and just like, what would you do if you lost your job here? And I always mused about, I guess I'd go all in on photography. And then I finally was faced with that situation. And that's exactly what I did. I, Sat around for a while because yeah. I was unemployed at just turned 30 and was freaking out about where my life was going. Because I thought I had it all kind of wrapped up here working, working at my previous job. Yeah, I thought I was going to retire there. And then, um, yeah, I lost that and had an existential crisis at 30. I think that was like one of my first like real bouts of like dealing with um, losing and like not, you know, how, what's the opposite of success? Failure. Yeah, failure. Um <laughs> And uh, yeah. I don't know, like, I'm like, you know, I'm like halfway into this. The old game. opposite of yeah, success. What's the opposite of success? Failure. Um, uh, and uh, after that, I like to think of failure as a stepping block towards success, yeah. Justin. Failure is oh, like, yeah. like the opposite of success. <laughs> I want to do the opposite <laughs> of failure. Um, and then. Oh, and then so, yeah, I, I just kind of sat around and didn't really have my shit together. And I figured it out, got a website going, got my portfolio up, had some gear invested already. And and first year of business, real business was 2014. And I booked like hotcakes that first month of January. I guess that's I think I think the clock turned on the January 1st and everybody starts planning their wedding. Like it's engaged. It's peak mm-hmm. engagement season. And everybody everybody hits yeah. January 1st. And like we got to book our venue. We got to get our photographer and everything starts happening then. And I think I booked yeah. like 30 weddings. Uh, for on the year within the first month, I, I had uh, inquiries every day. Dang. 
in I think it was just competitively priced at a middle like the lower middle portion of the wedding of the wedding industry in our in our city and um, just yeah it was a good it was like a perfect storm of not too cheap but cheap enough to book a lot and be really overworked because I learned a lot that first year doing thirty weddings <laughs> the reasonable amount of expectation for delivery and turnaround to clients I made a lot of mistakes I think. I just kind of did a lot of things really cavalier and gung ho. I'd probably shot maybe 15 weddings at this point, but to jump into 30 and have like your first back to back wedding weekend or your first triple header wedding weekend, and then mostly doing it without any help. I didn't, I don't know if my dad was helping. My dad second shoots weddings with me and I don't know if he was quite in there yet, but his, he was like a, uh, an emerging second photographer type in my life. And I think by 2015, 2016, we were doing more weddings together, but yeah, the first year I was really putting my feet to the fire. I did it all by myself, no assistance. I was dragging so much gear to me on wedding day too. Like I would bring, um, oh my god, yeah, two two Alien B eight hundreds extension cords, and <laughs> I don't even know if I had the portable batteries yet. But I was like, whatever I could bring with me to a wedding, like there it, there was never enough gear. Like I just brought everything. So family wow. formals, I'm running extension cords to to plugs, and I'm shooting family formals with two just like plain reflectors on an AB 800s, like set up on opposite sides. Like no no idea like what I was doing with lighting. Just all I knew is that if I had light, like that was better than not having light. That's amazing. Yeah. I wish I could have been at one of those weddings with you. <laughs> it was scary. And funny story, I actually met Justin at a wedding that we were shooting like our first year of like, I think we had booked 35 or 40 weddings that year. Yeah. I was similar, except that I had help because I was, I'm a married team. So we split a lot of duties, but I just remember that was my first intro to like the photography community in Tucson. And Justin, you are responsible for starting one of our big forums that we actually discuss in our first episode oh really of on facebook called uh tap which is how many how many members are in tap, tap? <laughs> oh you know you know, here's the funny thing though is the name of the group originally was tpap tucson professional that. and aspiring <laughs> photographers i had a logo it was like pap smear yeah i had a logo too and it just sounded too pap smear adjacent and then it also like i have mm-hmm. a cpap device so it's like a TPAP is, I, it, it, it was, there was just too, it was a very That's poor so acronym. Funny. But then when, when TAP became uh, the, the, oh, I changed the TAP. I was like, this is so much better. Like there's an actually like an, the acronym has like a sound to it and it kind of matches like tapping your shutter button, you know, like I thought, mm-hmm. I thought that had that whole vibe going on. So it was like the perfect name. I don't know how, where I came up with TPAP. It was an awful acronym. Um, that is so funny. <laughs> Uh, but we're at 3,500 members and the group isn't growing very quickly at this point, but we're at like year six of the group now. And I'm pretty comfortable with the rate of growth because I've been more, I scrutinized the additions to the group more. Like you just have to do the bare like minimum to get into the group. You have to, um, you have to state yeah. why, why you want to join the group. It's not a yes or no question. People still answer. Yes. I don't know. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> You have to ask and say if you live in Tucson, and you could be in Phoenix, be like, oh, I visit Tucson often. That like that's cool. And then you just uh, what was the other? Thing? Oh, agree to the group rules, and people still don't do even one of those questions. So I have a lot of, of submissions I don't even admit them because I'm like, why would I? And want they some- also, yeah, they also don't agree to the group rules. Yeah, it's often. So, but what- I think you've been a great, you've done a great job, Justin, as an admin. Kudos so to you good. for like taking down sexist or misogynistic, racist you know just gross comments in general yeah, i think you've sure. done splendidly so kudos for being awesome i'm and it's weird to be recognized for that because i'm like i'm just i just i don't know my personal being a good human. value code is just like you know be a good yeah. guy be a good human yeah um and and yeah i've being in that group i'm privy to a lot of bad this sounds gross um uh, but it's not meant to be backdoor conversations where um back channel conversations where i hear everything yeah. about photographers in our town and i keep and i'm just for the record i'm now in scottsdale but moving back and spending a lot of time back and forth but so when i say our town i mean what have what have you heard about us yeah no i have not uh, i've not yeah. um but no when i say <laughs> our town I mean, yeah uh but I, I hear a lot about like photographer misconduct i hear a lot about um, just, just like creepy behavior in general. And, and that really irks me. And as much as like, I have a problem with the way the public consciousness works towards dispelling and expelling people in our community. I wish there was like 
an actual courtroom so we can have like lawyers and defendants because I feel like the court of public opinion is sometimes just yeah. really messy and there's a lot of conjecture and a lot of people who are everybody wants to jump in on a good mob and just shame the shit out of somebody and that's great like I want like that's my initial instinct but I have to be a little more diplomatic I try to run it more like an actual courtroom but not let it get away in the court of public opinion because I don't want to ha have the group be liable for miss judging somebody yeah. or getting incomplete information and then there's another side to a story which nine times out of ten like if i hear like something about improper behavior i want to i just want to like air that business out there right away and, and shame somebody out of the group and out of the city as far as i'm concerned a lot of those situations tend to work themselves out but if it's like outright abuse, i like i don't i don't know what the proper channel is to take that down like i wish there was a, like a better way to report misconduct uh but we aren't the police we aren't uh sometimes we're not even allowed to really be involved i had a woman in the group and and this is funny i think tori i think you messaged me in private <laughs> yeah so so what had happened was what had happened was we had me yeah, we had a woman in the i need group. to know we had a woman in the group who is a model and she outed um she outed her uh, offending party, a photographer who was using photos as a way to get closer to women. I've heard this multiple stories about this guy. Oh yeah, I canceled yeah. him. I kicked him out of the group. I told him why I kicked him out of the group, and um, she she aired her business out about how you know the, some of the disgusting things he had done, and I I messaged her in private and I said, hey, mm -hmm. can you unblock him? I would love for him to be a part of the conversation. Um, and I don't know where she got, maybe she just got self-conscious because, you know, as a, as the, Hold you know, the accused or the accusers tend to not, not be heard and not be acknowledged. And so maybe she just got cold feet and didn't want to deal with, a, you know, confronting her accuser. She completely withdrew her post from the group and, and that, and then suddenly there was like this freak out fallout. I got multiple messages like, Hey, how dare you take down her post? And I didn't take down her post. Um, I don't I think I messaged you that. I don't even remember uh, messaging you. Yeah, I got a message from someone, um, but who who, and and I and I explained my part about what had happened, and I was I, I felt bad. This. I felt bad I because it too. yeah, because I wanted it was an opportunity because I I this is not the first time I'd heard this about this guy, and I wasn't yeah. was I was not happy about it, and here we had a direct instant of somebody who was who was prepared to call out their um the, their attacker and. Uh, she withdrew from it and I didn't know what to do after this because like I was here to support her and I want I wanted to present the idea and, I, and maybe now I think in retrospect I would have handled it differently like hey I want to support you can we involve him in the conversation he should be here to be able to confront what you're saying but I don't then now I'm like is that even uh, is that even necessary yeah, I, don't I, don't I don't know I don't know I don't know now I, I don't mean, know if I handled it right it well that's a lot of pressure I feel I get that that you had but I think that it goes back to just well, really the Me Too movement and women not feeling heard and affirmed mm -hmm. and validated and sort of like always on the the defense of the guy. Like, oh, yeah. well, let them, ha you know, let's, let's hear them out. Let's hear what they have to say. Because like what guy in their own mind or what sex offender, I won't even label it to men, but mm -hmm. like what sex offender is going to be like, well, I mean, there's probably some, but yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm to I'm a total creep. That's totally why how why I'm photographing women. That's totally how I'm mm -hmm. taking advantage of them. You know. Yeah, I, I think in retrospect, like if I now with being able to analyze that, and act, this is the first time I've talked about it in a while with other other photographers. I think if I could handle that differently, I wish I could have had a woman in on the conversation who's in a position like I am to to like consult her yeah. because maybe I was I was probably the wrong person to um to handle that because just my position as a man probably made her felt like she was already being questioned uh, in the process. Probably. So that's um, very woke of you to pick up on that. <laughs> um, but I you know honestly, Justin, I think that it's commendable that you're just even asking these questions. Like we actually. We just discussed this at an, in another episode where it's like, is this the right answer? Yeah. Like, maybe it's not the right answer, but we're still asking the questions. Mm -hmm. And that's like how we move forward. That's how we become better humans. It, that's how we evolve. It's an yeah. it's an interesting thing. Um, the power of a camera in a man's hands and what it does, the psychology of how it, 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 you're interacting with a female subject. 
um, in a modeling capacity. Yeah. And I think any man who doesn't acknowledge that is lying to themselves. And I think it's too, like for me personally, I think the idea of like photographing a woman in a provo provocative manner, um, it can run very fantasy adjacent. And I know that about like, like yeah, like every, every guy's probably had some kind of fantasy about something great happening from a photo shoot. Um, I don't, I mean, if we're being honest with ourselves, like. I love that you're saying this though, because yes. Justin, I, there is something and, oh, uh, I don't, this is, this is a, well, this is going to be a popular uh, podcast because I don't want to call out everyone. Like the, a female body, a woman's body is beautiful and you are an artist and as an artist, you can appreciate that. You can appreciate the curves and all of that. And maybe you can differentiate it being sexual from being art. Mm -hmm. But I agree in that my initial instinct when I see men only shooting women that are like nude or in, you know, lingerie or whatever I, I get a little creepy vibe and I, that's not, I don't know if that's fair for me to just jump to that conclusion either because <laughs> you're an artist too, you know, and who's to say like, I want to photograph naked people and I love photographing naked women, but I don't like, you know, sexualize and it. I guess like I can only contextualize it within my own frame of reference of how it's applied in my life. Um, the times where I have done those types of photo shoots, it was somebody close to me, um, maybe in a, in a relationship or um, maybe it was a woman that I was interested in. And there was some like mutual like overlap in the experience of it all. But if you look at my yeah. portfolio and go through my Instagram account, you're going to see happy couples. You're going to see uh, commercial shoots. Like the things I love to shoot are portraits. I want to tell people stories. And if, if I can't story tell, if I can't say something about a person through an image and I don't really want to do it. And, and I, I can say more, about a person with their clothes on in their place of work rest or play than i can about them naked i'm just not that guy i'm not the guy to that person to photograph uh the human form and to, and to be able to tell their tell a story that way there are people who do it there i don't i know very successful um men photographer male photographers who shoot boudoir who shoot very provocative images of women who shoot nudes and i don't think for one second that they have any confusion about um their you know their sexual desire and the work yeah. that they're doing and they're in happy relationships with, you know, with their partners. And it's, 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 it's I mean, possible, you know, how, yeah. How did those women, sorry, like there's just too much of that in me to be like, Oh sure, honey, go have fun taking pictures of naked ladies all day. <laughs> I think my partner, my partner would trust me to do that. Um, but I, but it's just, everybody's different. Well, you know? I guess I'm a psycho. <laughs> listen i would i would totally trust my partner to do that i just still wouldn't want him to sure that's okay because i'd be like were her boobs better like, <laughs> <were> they... <laughs> i would just constantly be comparing myself and that's my own insecurity my own trauma but oh, like right. you know that would be i i know he would not be even tempted like, no but that doing... but what i'm talking about maria is what you're talking about is it's not the trust of or it's not the question of like, are you going to just like pounce on her? It's just like, you know, I don't know, whatever. Anyways, let's, I, Justin, you brought up a, a really interesting point about um, being an artist and having the camera in your hands and being able to tell people's stories and feel their emotions. And I really want to dive into that with you. And I'd love to hear about your process and, how you the psychological aspect of it all like how do you do it like what it how you know how do you dig in with your couples i, I don't even know clients? if it's my strongest ability yet i feel like i feel like it's something i've had to consciously like every year um with wedding photography i i, I always like hit that new year and i'm like, what's my goal for this year what am i going to try to be better at and for the long longest time it was skills based and it was how do I take better flash photography, off-camera flash photography and weddings? That was probably like my main objective 2014 through 2016, 2017. And then, and then that something, at some point, I hear a dog. Whose dog is this? 
What's mine? I'm sorry. <laughs> no, sorry. Oh, I, muted it's like it for the faint. It's like the faintest dog bark. But I'm like, is that me? It's okay. It's right. I was uh, but, where's Taco? Yeah. Where's Taco? Oh, Taco is at. Um, I have my dog Chihuahua Tacos with my parents in Tucson. Uh, there's a very large pit bull that lives here with my with my cousin and her husband. And I don't oh. think he's he he'd make fast work of Taco into an appetizer. Oh. So, like Taco would be street tacos to him. So, um, sorry, I digress. Um, yeah, and then and so. Somewhere around 2018, my objectives became how can I get more evocative work? How can I get closer to my subjects? I used to have this fly in the wall mentality. And I don't want anyone to notice me. And, and that's still the objective. But now it's not about the for the proximity as far as being farther away from people. It's like, how can I involve the camera in a moment and disarm people's attention to the camera and get them so comfortable in their moment that they're only focused on the most important part of what's going on is either you know the, the emotion of the of the event, uh, the things that are unfolding around them, and the connection they have to the people around them. And you just can't communicate that as well when you're with a seventy two hundred and you're like, you know, thirty feet away or in the corner of the room. But if you're yeah. there with a thirty five millimeter and you're like five feet away or two feet away, there's just something different. And I want couples to feel like a participant in their memories so when they look back and maybe they got an album and they're sitting there with the photos in their lap that they have a moment where it's maybe just them and they fill the entire frame and, and like you're in the same breathing space as them and they're not even paying attention to the camera and then I want them to remember like how they felt in that moment like how special that moment was so that's that's been my objective I feel like more than the off-camera flash stuff now like I feel like I've reached the level of proficiency where that stuff is kind of brainless for me now and it's more about like the harder stuff is how do I connect people with our moments in the camera? And, I, and I'm still not great at it like that. There's just like, there's so many people whose work I look up to that I wish I could get to that level of proficiency. But for me, that's like the, the muscle that I have to exercise the most. That's what she said. <laughs> oh, you fit in so well in this group. I love it. Our first episode, there was a lot of that's what she said. <laughs> um, but that's amazing. And I mean, just to circle back, which is my key phrase, but just to circle oh, back. Oh, you're the circle to, back girl? Um, I'm the circle Brian's back Brian's been married to you for but how yeah. many years? And he found out this last year that you're the circle I only, back girl? I only say that on podcasts. <laughs> I don't know. I don't say that ever in real life. It's that's weird. so funny. But, um, but to go back to what you said about how, like, you know, you were, your focus was lighting at first. I just want to commend you because I think you're known as kind of a pioneer of lighting in totally. the photography community and you're an ambassador for Magmod, correct? Mm -hmm. And uh, Holdfast and Tamron, I have to shout them out as well. Awesome. Yeah. yeah I kind of was sold on a Holdfast um, from one of our podcast guests who is also an ambassador for Holdfast. Yeah, I like, am too. I'm done. It made I'm me change one. my mind a little bit. Yeah, I, I, I love that. Pro I love their products. I, I just love how I feel in them. Like I feel like, I, but but also it goes both ways. Like it, some people think it 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 runs a little S and M ish, and then. Mm -hmm. Um, oh, why then, is like, that a yeah, bad thing? All the leather, all the, all the leather, you know. I'm like, well, I was like, I was like, I'm wearing a shirt under this, so I don't know how that could be S and M ish. But if it was like only the, you wear the leather shirts harness, when you work, that's no fun. <laughs> just that's wear, no I, fun. I'm just gonna like walk around, like do a hold fast photo shoot, ambassador shoot, and only be just be shirtless. With, oh with my god! Yeah. Oh my god! Can we do that? Can we do? <laughs> I'm that? getting in shape. Yes. I'm ready for it. I think I'm getting. I'm yes. working on my best life, bud. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I am excited for this shoot. I don't know uh, um, if uh, the owner Matthew Swaggered how how down he would be for that. I don't know what his base is, how it leans, so if how it skews, so maybe that wouldn't fly in their marketing. <laughs> you know, what we should do we should do a doudoir shoot. See, and Maria, Your here I go fast. in my mind. I'm like, oh yeah, let's get Justin naked, and then he can hold the camera in his crotch, <laughs> and I'm like thinking naked, and then I'm like. That's so not fair. Like, I wouldn't go to a sexual. <laughs> I wouldn't go to that place with you, Justin, because I just like it. I'm a professional. But like, here I am calling myself. Okay, out so a double standard. My... The place yeah. the place I went to was like Jason Alexander and Seinfeld. You know, that like picture of him. Yeah. <laughs> that was the place I went this to. Baroque Renaissance painting. <laughs> Sorry. Right, yeah. I just went to nudity again. It's all right. It's a, safe, it's a space. It's okay. Like, it's a thing. People can it's explore that space. It's a safe space, space here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Safe space here. We talk a lot, a, a lot about uncomfortable things. Nudity. I mean, we jumped right into Race. like toxic, toxic photography behavior. So, I mean, I think toxic masculinity. Yep. Yep. <laughs> All, All those keywords. Not a fan. 
we we actually talk a lot about um, with most of our guests a lot about inclusivity and di- inclusivity and diversity. Oh, okay. Inclusiveness and diversity in your portfolio specifically, and like your feelings on that. And uh, you're Korean, right? I am half Korean. My mom's from Korea, and my dad is from North Dakota. So I'm like, I got this right. Norwegian Korean connection going on. My uncle calls me Corwegian. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I have an I have interesting ideas about um, representation in photography, as far as like what I what I feel represents me. I, I being a of half descent on both sides. I don't feel like unless there's like a whole niche of half half Asian. Uh, ambassadors that I'm not aware of like I don't know if I'll ever feel fully represented because being half in itself is its own set of like it's its own thing that I've had to deal with like it's like it doesn't run par- it runs parallel to the immigrant situation like the immigrant and um, Asian experience in this country but it's not the same because you know, I can be white passing in some circles and I can you know I I feel like I get a person of color pass in some circles and in other, in other areas, it doesn't, it doesn't encumber me or inhibit me from, um, from some of the barriers that people of color may have entering different spaces. I don't feel like I really experienced that in my life. So I have to be conscious of it from both perspectives because I do get, I do feel like I get a pass in some ways, but in other ways I have to be acknowledged where um, I have privilege. It's different, but well said. Uh, it doesn't yeah. define me. It just, I don't know if I, and as far as representation goes, um, I remember being at a Shutterfest event a few years ago and, and I was talking to a friend of mine and another older Asian gentleman came over and the other guy who was with me was, was very Asian. <clears throat> so I, I forgot who it was. And, and this other photographer came over and goes, well, I guess us Asian guys have to stick together. And I'm like, oh, you think I'm Asian? Great. You know, like that readily happens. Like I kind of get like, are you from Latin America or like, <laughs> like it's kind of, I'm a little racially ambiguous. It's hard to figure out what I am. So yeah. I, so do you get um, that? Do you get the question? What are you? A lot. Uh, yeah. No? I mean, not as much anymore. I feel like when I was younger, I did. Uh, it happens though. Like, yeah, people want to know like, Oh, like what's your, yeah. Ethnic or it's like, I don't ever, I never know how to ask that question. And I, and I'm a person who gets asked that question. Like, I don't know what I want to hear. Like, where are you from or what's your ethnic origin or what nationality, like nationality is like a weird one to ask, like nationality, like I'm American. Um, but yeah, I guess ethnic origin is like the easiest one, but it's a, it's very, it's very wordy, you know, like, mm-hmm. like are we like uh, armchair anthropologists here? Like your ethnic origin. So yeah, I guess like, what's your mommy and daddy? Like, that's just so out of here. Where are they from? Well- <laughs> <laughs> what is the, what is the right answer though for that? Like, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I don't think there is one. I mean, I to be fair, I mainly asked you that because I remember that you took a trip to Korea and it was right around the start of COVID. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted like out right of curiosity, it. were you there when things were breaking? And like, what was the general climate? I, like, how, I, I know that over. you've always traveled masked. Yeah, yeah. Right? yeah no, like, it was funny. I started rocking the, the mask on flights like maybe two years previous to COVID because I just did you? I got, yeah, I kept getting sick. Yeah, I kept did. getting sick traveling. I had I had like a heavy travel season at the end of 2017 or 2018. And I had, wow. I think it was right, 27 going into 2018. I got the, I think I got the flu. I had the flu shot and still got the flu when I went to go do a wedding in San Francisco. Came back, wow. came down, was came down. I, and then I, I got better. And then I traveled again and got sick again within like two weeks on another trip to like a, to, to imaging conference in Tennessee. Oh. And the way back, I, it was, it was like, flu or severe strep like i was sick for like six weeks and it was all all wrapped up around travel and i just remember like i'm sick of this shit so i i started wearing masks on flights yeah. and I, I i stopped getting sick on um on travel trips so i don't know like, i actually came back from vegas from wppi in 2019 and i sat next to a friend on a southwest flight from vegas to tucson and then the within a few days he had the flu and i did not so i don't know if like he got it while in vegas but you know, it's just conjecture on my part, but yeah. Wow. I don't know. No, so I, I remember, I remember seeing that picture mm-hmm. of you and I was like, that is a smart boy. I am. <laughs> why am I letting people, why am I breathing in people's same air? Yeah. Ew. I would get weird I'm looks too. Do that. So if like the one good thing that comes out of this is maybe mask wearing is somewhat normalized a little bit now. And, and I, I'll, yeah. something I'll continue to do on flights because I don't have to, I, I mean, it's not that uncomfortable to me and it, it wasn't previous to all this. So yeah, I, I'd wore a mask for, I wore a mask 
uh, flying to Korea, eleven uh, hour flight. So yeah, wow. I mean, Whatever. this might be an unpopular opinion, but I I just love rocking the mask because as somebody with a consistent RBF. And also somebody who is really bad at hiring at hiding their over emotive facial expressions <laughs> when they think someone who's talking to them is an idiot. Yeah. The mask covers half my face. So There's it's just great. It's just really great. I had a really uncomfortable conversation with like a client who kind of blindsided me at their home for a shoot. And I remember just being like thinking to myself, like, I'm so glad I'm masked. Right. Yeah. I just need to do I just need to show no emotion behind my eyes but my mouth could be like oh, oh my what's God. wrong with you I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm, gonna, this conversation? I'm gonna humble brag low-key flex real quick but I've I have ran run uh, words I have worn a mask while running on the treadmill at the gym four miles very vigorous pace like and I can do that for four miles and yeah like it the cloth gets sucked to your, your face and your nose a little bit when you're inhaling it and it starts to get humid. But if I can handle that on a treadmill, you can handle it for 20 minutes of shopping at Walmart. Like that's right. I mean, it's yeah. fine. It's like if you're passively walking around, you can, you can exist with a mask on. It's not a breathing inhibitor. Oh, but yeah. Justin. I remember I remember like before COVID broke and I saw a picture of you flying and you had a mask <laughs> on in your picture. And I was like, that's brilliant. I'm going to wear a mask. Yeah. And I, I know a girl with uh, cystic fibrosis. Um, and she, they, sorry, I know a person with cystic fibrosis and they rock a mask and they were doing it, you know, as I think they're very big into cosplay and, um, anime culture. So they were doing it as, as, as fashion, but also, um, cystic fibrosis is a, a high yeah. risk, um, chronic illness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I time. think they were also doing it to protect themselves from airborne illnesses. And this was pre-COVID. Yeah. So, you know, I remember that seed being planted, though, when I saw you flying. I, I'm not even going to like yes. crap on the idea of like of uh, inhibiting people's um, freedoms and and the idea that like a mask represents this idea of like oppression. I that sure. You know what? I can even empathize with that line of thought. What I didn't expect from the last year was just how fucking mean people are to each other. <laughs> like, like when did we when would he start being so mean to each other? Like it got it just was on high alert this last year. Um, the fact that if you wear a mask to feel uncomfortable about it and be called out about it and like, oh, you're all sheep. Like there are so many just videos of that stuff on the Internet. Uh, and yeah. then and then I guess the other part of it is like seeing people without masks. I'm just not going to go out of my way to call them out either. Like I'm just like I can walk yeah. further away anyway. Yeah, sorry. Mm -hmm. I digress. Agree. That's it's really unfortunate what happened but at the same time i think that there while there was a lot of division there was so much growth and so much mm -hmm. conversation and so much unity in some ways you know and hopefully the conversations continue to be had which is ultimately yeah. one of our goals is to have these conversations I mean, as photographers, we want to make it less of a, I can't say <laughs> we want to make it, right? it less, ta less taboo, less taboo to discuss. Like there shouldn't be, I don't know, there shouldn't be a fear around discussing things or asking questions because you're afraid that somebody's going to label you as X, Y, Z. Like the important thing is that we're asking questions. Yeah. Right? Yeah. The important thing is that we're we're being fearless in the pursuit of figuring things out and being better. And being better towards each other, especially as storytellers. I love that you touched on that, Justin, because you know, we can't tell somebody's story if we don't know how to empathize with other humans. Mm -hmm. That's part of our job. We have to put ourselves in their place. Yeah. On some level. I think we're turning a corner in all this now. Like I feel some momentum. I, I guess I'll talk a little bit about what's been going on in my life in the last year. Uh, I went into 2020 hot. Like I thought like everything was going my way. I had a really big yeah. account with my former employer and uh, they were like probably 80% of the workload that I did in 2019. I, I made 46 invoices with them in, in nine months of acquiring this contract. Wow. And then let, and then 20 to go to turn the page to 2020. And I think I invoiced them six times last year and it was a significant downturn in, in, um, in uh, income. And I went from, 
like everything felt like was at my fingertips. Like I was, I was entering a very new and healthy relationship and it was like, it was like hot romance and planning for the future and all these great things were going on. And then the COVID stuff happened right away at the beginning of our relationship. And we, we hunkered down together for the first you know couple months of quarantine uh, when the world shut down and you know, the money, money was like not coming in anymore. And I maybe earned a 10th of what I made in 2019 and 2020. And I was floating my, my mortgage and my home for the entire year out of earnings from 2019, which I'm fortunate 2019 was so good. And then in the middle of this very intense romance for me, uh, she broke up with me in September and I was now looking at the end of my rope. And, you know, if we listen to, if we were, if we go back and we listen to, you know, go back, we go back and we look at what our leadership and our government was telling us at the beginning of all this, you know, just two weeks. And then it became just another month. And like, once just wait, hold out till summer. And yeah. you're sitting here if I, in retrospect, I'm like, why would I ever have trusted anything anybody said about this? But, you know, in retrospect, I thought, you know, I was trusting some semblance of leadership regardless of partisan politics i was like well yeah maybe we'll we we will be good by fall and everybody's everybody was just guessing about what was going to happen and then i get to september and i'm devastated by this incredible loss of this relationship in my life and i'm looking i'm assessing the damage i'm looking at my life and i realize i can't keep throwing my savings at my mortgage much longer and continue to live live my life this way and there, the money's not coming in. I'm getting cash poor. What am I gonna do? What am I doing with my life right now? And I kind of, I was going through a late midlife crisis, existential crisis here. Um, I just told myself this time next year, I don't want any part of my life to look like any part of my life right now. And I just want it all. I just whatever I can do to shake shit up and and move move forward. So funny enough, my ex girlfriend lives here in Scottsdale, and I decided to move to Scottsdale. <laughs> And, uh, I moved, I, so I just told myself I was going to live with my, I talked to my cousin. She had an extra bedroom. She's been a halfway house for broken hearts a long, for a long time. Like she's had so many friends stay in this room who were going through breakups, but they were like in like living with their partners and then they had to, they needed a place to stay. I came, I had a whole different situation. I had literally like uprooted my entire home, put everything in storage. Uh, the last four months, five months I've been spending, uh, working on the house with my dad, uh, actually good from like December until in, uh, middle of February. So getting the house ready to put on the market and I just put it on the market and I'm closing at the end of the month. And in the middle of all that, moved all my essential stuff into this room here and put all my stuff in storage. And I got involved with a new woman in my life. And we were both coming from similar positions where we were leaving COVID intense relationships that all happened around the same timeline. And we were both uh-huh. really rejecting this idea of getting into we didn't want to be each other's rebound and then it just got to the point where like this connection we had everything was so easy like how could we deny this and even though i was getting ready to move to scottsdale we both realized like we didn't want to stop seeing each other and so now i feel like i'm in this really healthy relationship with great communication and are we understand Aww. our boundaries well and and it doesn't feel like a rebound and it feels like I'm, I'm growing something significant with my partner, but we're now in different cities and we're navigating that whole thing. So, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So I went from living in Tucson to dating someone in Scottsdale to moving to Scottsdale to dating someone in Tucson. Um, <laughs> Justin. But, yeah. No, but like love well, just, just happens. Just, like you can't predict these things, you know, just throwing this out there, Justin, but technically I was Brian's rebound 15 <laughs> years ago. Oh goodness! So I, I don't even like throwing that word around because like I don't I like it's not I even I don't either yeah it's not part of my vocabulary yeah I don't think it's a thing yeah I don't I, think it's well a... it's not it's not but I mean by the definition of like you know a rebound technically signifies yes. like the person that you date right after you get yeah. out of a long term relationship and that was what I was for Brian because oh. I was never in a long term relationship oh I see and look at you now you're my like longest the... relationship prior to Brian was with Peter so, <laughs> with my job. You know, so, so yeah, then yeah, that was 15 years ago. So, yeah, well, and, and that's a might hijack this into like another monologue about like love and everything. But I, yeah, so like I'm but in a good place. We can talk about love. love. Yeah, I'm in a, love. I'm in a great place with it all. And it's funny because um, we, my buddy Rob Hall and I, we have a podcast. It's called High ISO. High ISO. You can find that on all the streaming platforms. And we did a catching up episode because we kind of fell off after we had like 30 episodes in a row and then we didn't record shit for a while. And then we did like a catching up episode in 
October and I was mid fresh heartbreak right then and was really hurting. And, and my girlfriend now she Aww. listened to my to the uh, she wanted to listen to my podcast. So she listened to some episodes and she jumped around and then listened to that very last update po- episode. Uh, and she was like, wow, like I missed all this. Like you're doing like so much better now. Like, uh, you know, like you're not feeling like this anymore. Are you I'm like, no, I'm not like this. Like <laughs> that was in October. This is December. I'm in a totally different place now. And, you know, we we both healed on our own a lot and and brought our lives together. And I think we're coming from a very healthy perspective on like what last year meant to us. And I feel lucky. Like right now, I feel like everything is on the table now, like for me to follow my life in whatever direction that may be. Like leaving Tucson after 20 years was like the biggest divorce for me ever because Tucson is in my blood. Like it's in my veins. It's the longest I've ever lived anywhere. My house was the longest I've ever lived in one home because I'm an Air Force brat. We moved around a lot growing up. So right now, after all that shitty COVID year, business going to crap, and now I'm finally out of my house. I'm here in Scottsdale. I've been here since Monday officially. Like I'm finally here to spend some time. I'm going to be coming back a lot the next month and a half for weddings and and appointments. But in this first, like I got here Monday. It's Thursday now. I feel like I've gotten so much done in the last four days that I didn't do in the last year, uh, just by being here, getting a new routine going, um, yeah. focusing on my business. I booked four weddings in the past three weeks and that was more than any stretch of time that I was able to book weddings last year it's I, I feel the momentum coming back so um, awesome yeah and I, I got my first yeah. dose of the vaccine um about two weeks ago and that's like another like okay I, I feel like I'm ready to really come out of my yeah. shell that I've been in and for the first time I feel like there's some momentum and I feel ready to reconnect with it's this is perfect timing I feel like I'm ready to reconnect with our industry I just I taught a class for Tamron uh, edu on Monday was a Monday Tuesday uh, to photographers in the class in San Diego. Like, I, I feel like I'm feeling the momentum again and I, I'm ready to reconnect with our industry and not be under yeah. a rock because I've been kind of, I was emotionally wounded for a while and, it, and it, it just interrupted everything else going on in my life. You know, I think that we yeah. all were though, whether or not you went mm-hmm. through a breakup or whatever, I remember being really depressed because I, I found that I had put my identity in photography. Yes. And I think a lot of us had. And so when we were told that we weren't allowed to go out and photograph people, I was all, what do I do now? You know, and I like crumpled up in a ball and like just literally did not want to get up out of bed. You know, it was a little bit depressing. It was like scary as a single mom, not knowing how if I was going to be able to provide for my family and Mm -hmm. as this is my full time job. So you know, I think that this last year was a little bit traumatic for us all. And, you know, on top of that, going through, having to go through a breakup in confinement, basically, is also really hard. That sucks. Because really, I think that so many people in our industry, from what I found, and especially from our community in Tucson, is that no, really, all of us as artists, we crave connection. Like, Mm -hmm. that's what we do it this for. We love the connection, whether it's connecting with our clients, connecting with other people in the industry. Like ultimately, I think that's it's uh, what Marie and I want to do is connect with people and just hear their stories and have these conversations. And, you know, it's not mapped out. We did not have questions written down for you because we just wanted to talk. I'll tell you, I'm really hoping to connect with you next in Vegas. Yeah. 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 Don't Will you be there? Threaten me with a good time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, 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 WPPI. I actually applied to be a presenter. I, and as far as I know, nobody I know knows if they're presenting at, at WPPI yet. No one's heard back yet, uh, but they're already selling pre sale. I feel, you know what, earlier in the year, or last year, I was like, I'm canceling 2021, no plans in 2021. And now I'm thinking, like, I think I'm going to hop on a plane flight here uh in the second maybe by like may i feel like i'm ready to i'm ready to travel like i'll have the second dose i'll be i'll feel a bit a lot better about that and yeah i'm i feel pretty good about going to that in in august and you know justin whatever. i've never been to vegas you have in to my go life. in your life Ever. you've never gone ever oh we're Don't gonna i'm taking i'm taking her yeah i'm popping oh, her vegas we're gonna cheering. go we're gonna do some we- we're gonna do some weird shit <laughs> it's gonna get weird yeah. can we go to the buffet can we organize another party of Arizona photographers? At yeah, the I'm like whatever we can do. Yeah, just because I'm not in Tucson anymore, oh, so we can't we can't like organize. I'm down. 
Or wait, do buffets still still happen? I don't know. I know. I just realized. I doubt (sighs) it. I doubt that shit. I think they are. I think they are, though. It's Vegas. They always prevail. Vegas prevails. (laughs) It's dirty there. Nothing nothing can live very long in the air in Vegas. (laughs) I mean, if I'm going to be anywhere, though, it'd be Vegas. Like, like it's like the I mean yeah there's a lot of cigarette smoke but I feel like the filtration is so good in their their um the oxygen yeah, yeah. I think I think it's like all where you want it like that's like they probably spent the most money on oxygenating the air there so I think that's like the best place to go <laughs> if you want to like be in public and not get COVID it is actually apparently a thing I know like that it sounds like a joke but the like I went to Vegas with Brian bef- not for WPPI mm-hmm. and I was like. Man, I should be tired, but I feel so alive. Yep. And I wasn't drinking. Yep. I wasn't doing anything. And Brian was just like, oh, it's because they pump up extra oxygen into the air in the casinos so that it keeps people awake yeah. longer. And I was like, why aren't we doing this everywhere? I I <laughs> no, I definitely have had that same experience where like we we drove from Tucson to Vegas and got in late and we're all checking checking in. Someone's checking a buddy's checking into the room and we're at the hanging out at the bar having a drink and everybody's just kind of dead ass tired when we get there. And then like a little bit later, I'm like, man, I'm ready to do some shit. Like what's going on? You know? And I'm like, <laughs> why do I feel like this? Yeah. And then we realize like, Oh, it's the, uh, it's uh, the oxygen in the air. That and is especially so some hotels. funny. Yeah. Like the oh, cosmopolitan. If you ever go to the cosmopolitan, that's like my favorite hotel. And I feel like they have the best, like the best O2 right there. Like that's my shit. <laughs> yeah. We'll do that. We'll go get some oxygen at the Cosmo. Okay, <laughs> Let's get, Let's get fucked up on some oxygen, guys. I can't it's wait. A thing. Yes. It's a thing. They have O2 it's bars too. so fun. Will you be at the Magmod booth? Um, if they have a presence at this booth at um, this year, I imagine I will. I haven't missed one yet. And then um, Tamron, if they have a booth, and I'll, I presented their, at their booth last year too. So usually those are my two. Those will be my two go-tos. But I don't know what this looks like. And I should eat this olive before I keep talking. Um <laughs> at the bottom of my martini um i don't know what in-person events look like moving forward yeah wppi was kind of on a downturn I, i've seen the attendance just go down and down every year they keep changing the venue it uh, you know the heydays were at the mgm then they went mm-hmm. to they went to the convention center the neck one year and then they went to the last two years have been at mandalay, mandalay bay. bay and then this year is supposed to be at the Mirage. The Mirage, which I don't, I don't even oh. think I've ever been in the Mirage. So I, don't, I have no, I haven't heard great things, but maybe they're banking on being the first in-person photo event to come back live. And I think uh. that might be some renewed interest there because people are just chopping at the bit to like see people in person again. Cause I, I miss seeing yeah. all my, all my colleagues and contemporaries in the industry. Like when I'm in some other groups, plugged into some other groups and we're having a conversation about, man, I'm just not feeling creatively motivated. Like normally this is a time of year where I'm getting my spark. I'm, I'm being inspired by, by my peers. And then yeah. this year we didn't get that. So I think maybe there might be a resurgence of sorts in store yeah. for WPPI, but I, I, but I can't predict that. And I know they're counting on it. Cause I don't know what the success of that event looks like moving forward. So I'll go. I'm definitely, I'm committed to going. Um, commit, I'm internally committing myself to going. Uh, <laughs> if there's any other reasons keeping me there, you know, if I'm presenting for the event or for sponsors, like that's going to be an added bonus. Um, for sure, I'm going to be, I just got confirmation, I'm going to be presenting at Shutterfest, which is a smaller, uh, more hands-on event uh, in St. Louis. That's a pretty, yeah. pretty fun event for me. So I'm teaching three classes at that. So I'm, I'm, I can't wait like to be face to face with people I haven't seen all year. Like I'm, I'm ready. And like I said, we're going to do some weird shit. Yeah, I'll be honest. Like WPPI is, is always a good time, but I 100% just want to go because it's in Vegas. Yeah. So yeah. I just, I would I just, just want to play some slots and eat some food, okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's been a year. I'm not really sure Vegas is actually like at all. <laughs> my It's not really my jam. I might like come off as the Vegas kind of loving girl, but I'm definitely down for like, I don't know more intimate workshops or like conferences that are just not as many people. Sure. I think think. it's something you have to experience and see. I think once like what the great thing about it is getting to see all the vendors in one place and being able to interact with them, because that for me has been pretty critical for me over the years in that 
every one of these it's all personal relationships like that's how a lot of yeah. like the ambassadorship stuff happened for me was just hanging out and like having drinks and having a good time and then next you know you see the same people in the same circuit and you're having the same com- you know new conversations and it it's it's a great place to realize like oh there's people behind these brands and they have um and they listen to feedback and they want to hear from us and they yeah. and you know if you if you're if you have been doing this professionally for any amount of time you have feedback that's valuable and critical for these brands to hear from you so like i've gone to you know zenfolio i've i've and i've had uh an hour powwow with their ui designer to tell them all the stuff that i wanted to see them add to their user interface like like those kind of things you just don't you 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 go and you get to have these interactions with people and you get to like maybe influence them to make decisions. You're so nerding out. You just nerd out with them. Yeah, I do. I love it. I love it. But also it's like, it's like, you're going to, you're going to see them later on and everyone's going to be getting drunk at some like party that everyone made it to. And you're going to see some freak shit. It's a lot of fun. It's also international. Yeah. It's international. There's people, I had a photographer walk up to me um, before I was assisting on a photo walk, like I hadn't even like taught a class yet. And I, I was assisting a friend on the photo walk and this guy walked up because, and he tells me that he was from Nigeria and that he followed me on Instagram. And I was like, what? Whoa, <laughs> like, that was so cool. Was, like, a cool moment for me. It's like, there's just like people all over the world. So I guess I'm I big in that, India too. <laughs> well, I just, <laughs> I think that like those things, all of these things are great for making connections because mm-hmm. every conference, every workshop, Every, anything I've attended, that is what I, this, that's what my focus is really. Like, mm-hmm. I really, I love like listening to people talk and stuff, but I actually love engaging in conversation more. So mm-hmm. I end up leaving with friends in the industry yeah. that I didn't have before. And, you know, <laughs> that's, it's how mm-hmm. I think that's, that is important for it's anybody. Yeah, I'm I have like long lasting connections and relationships with people that I never would have met if I hadn't started going to these events. And there are people who I could call on. I can like I can point like anywhere on the map and find somebody that I could connect with if I go to a city in America, even in other countries, too. And it's all because of these events. And I think if you're a professional photographer, you have to explore the wall, the areas outside the walls of your city, and especially in Tucson, like. Uh, there was a time where I didn't want to be influenced by anybody. I didn't look at anybody's work. I wouldn't Google anyone. Like I would not look at anyone's work. I just wanted to be like, I just want to do my own thing. I'm competing with myself. And then after a while you start looking around, you're like, oh, there's some good shit out here. Like I need to step it up a little bit. And then after a while you're like, mm, I want to see some better stuff. Like what else is out there? And then you, you look and, it's, you, and you start when you, the world becomes your influence and your playground and you start, yeah. you start like running with a different crowd. You just start to like, you're compare like, you slot yourself differently and compare yourself differently to the work out there. And if I had only stayed within the paradigm of Tucson wedding photography, I may not have been as greatly influenced yeah. as as I did was when I started like looking at what was going on out there. And these are all people that I could, like I'd be out partying one night. The next day, I'd be I'd see someone like we'd be walking together on the uh, on the escalator, and then people would be like greeting them like, "Hey, what's up?" And I'm like, "Oh, oh, you're a teacher." Like, and you realize you're with somebody who might be somewhat like photo famous. And there yeah, are those people who are no just hanging idea. out. Yeah. And then next, yeah. you know, like the next year and the year after like, and then now, now they're your buddies and, and you're not just like, you're not just like a fan girl or a fanboy. You're a contemporary and then they become your colleagues because they, you know, you keep in touch and it's just something I never would have predicted hap- would happen to me from going to these events. It's, it's yeah. my favorite part about it is all the cool people I've met. And I think there's so much to be learned from each other. Like so many you know, we can shoot differently. We can see things differently. We all see things differently, but we can be inspired by each other. Mm-hmm. You know, I can look at photographs that are edited very different than me and just be so inspired and moved by the emotion that I feel from those images. Did we get to talk? Like, I know, like, you brought me on here because you thought we were going to talk about, like, my camera, off-camera lighting, but then we went down this whole other rabbit hole of other no. things, like personal relationships and stuff. Was there anything you oh, yeah, wanted to no. talk about? No? Okay. no. We don't talk about any photography stuff. No, there's, like, no actual <laughs> photography Personal discussion things. on here. No. We're just like... <laughs> We do have one really important question that we ask everyone. Boxers. Very. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> close. Very oh, close. Yeah. Tori, you ask. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. If you were a fruit or a vegetable, which fruit or vegetable would you be and why? Okay. I would be an apple. Apple. Be an apple. I was just going to say apples. Yeah. I think apples because. 
I was gonna say banana. Yeah, okay, banana banana's banana's and apples. But there's like a there's oh. like a it's like yeah okay I, I'm gonna go with apple because. But are you uh, mushy or are you crunchy? I'm crunchy. I'm a crunchy apple. Um, are you a Granny Smith? I'm more of like a Fuji, but that's like only Ooh. because it's like the closest yeah. thing. Obviously, yeah. <laughs> obviously, you're a Fuji. Um, I'm just gonna obviously. go with like uh accessibility like you could literally pick me from a tree i'm like i if like i could like i'd be reachable from your hands because I, I think i'm an open book and i'm very accessible as a person i speak my mind and i think i invite people to share very intimate things about themselves i'm very disarming and and what, I'll, what i'm trying to get at is though is that you can you like you you see me you know it's in, you know it's inside very quickly and I am available in abundance. Like that's that's me. So I think I'm apples. Ooh, you're available in abundance. Mm-hmm. What does your girlfriend think oh, about I that? I love that. <laughs> yeah. I have to ask her. Um, no, I, I mean, I'm meaning from like a, I feel like I'm a very emotionally uh, available person as far as like. I love I, that. I connect with people quickly. Uh, like I said, people tend to be yeah. very comfortable with me to reveal very intimate things. It's like things like I've had people reveal things to me like I've never told anybody this before. And I'm like, whoa, what did I do to get that information out of you? You know, like, yeah, I think I should have been like, like if I had another alternate job in my life, I should be like, like a negotiator or something like somebody who can like perhaps to like persuade or like I should be like a, a interrogator yeah. for like I, I should be a detective because I think I could get someone to like co- confess to like the deepest darkest murders and murder mysteries like, like that'd be my yeah. job because I'm like they'd be like I haven't told anyone I'm like I know you're telling me it's weird it happens all the time like, that, that'd be me so <laughs> That everybody else is oh just like, God. just send in Justin. <laughs> yeah. Why are we wasting All, our time? Also, they're like, I'm like the worst at keeping secrets. Like, so like you shouldn't tell me shit because I'm fucking telling everyone. <laughs> uh, so, well, uh, great. Well, that's amazing. <laughs> well, on that note, <laughs> this is a- Justin, tell us your biggest secret. My biggest secret. Oh, I have none. Yeah. I have no secrets. I have no secrets. I tell everything about my life. I reveal everything about me. No, I, that's why that's I, I'm, I'm a pretty open book. Like, I, I mean, I'm a Gemini, and I was just I'm about to ask you what your zodiac sign was. <laughs> um, oh my god! I know, I knew you were because you're like, mm-hmm. yeah, because you're just into that spooky witch stuff. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I'm just proud of my astrological sign because I'm a Leo. So just by like Leo traits, we're all very prideful. Uh, so Maria and I are both Leos. Yes, we're the best sign. You're, you're subpar. So. I'm an air sign. I'm uh, I'm like textbook Gemini though, and um, I share a birthday with Kanye West. So oh, don't brag. I don't. Yeah, know if I know, I but I'm not about that either. Yeah, I'm not. As, I'm not that unhinged. But like sometimes I see parallels, like into his. I, I get his behavior sometimes. Like I understand like his, oh, his frame of reference. But um, no, like I'm I'm like Gemini to a fault. I do feel like there are parts of myself where like this idea like. I always thought it was like a cliche duality, the idea of like, oh, like you're one person to some people and you're one person to another per- people to other people. And I thought that was cliche, but I, I do kind of see that in myself. But maybe it's like multiple faces for multiple people. Like, I feel like. Oh, um... show us all of your faces right now. <laughs> there, OK, there's one. <laughs> but yeah, no, I don't I don't I don't believe in that shit. <laughs> well, Justin, for everyone who's listening, Justin is an Apple, a Fuji Apple Gemini. Who's currently in a relationship? So thank sorry. you for listening to Two Girls in a Cannon. <laughs> Good night. Um, but yeah, we should uh, we should wrap it up here. Do you have anything else you'd love to contribute or tell us, Justin? Any other words of wisdom? We'd love to have you back on. We have a lot of people that are asking to come back on. Yeah, I'd love to come back on. That's cool. I'm cool with that. I like doing this stuff. Like I feel like there's so much to talk about in and around our industry and none of it has to be skills based. It doesn't have to be um, like, how do you do this with the camera? I think, I think that's like, yeah, that's like watch a YouTube video for that. Don't listen to a podcast. Yeah. I I think um, you get past like a skills, like a skills based proficiency with photography and and it becomes more waxing poetic. It's like, why am I doing this? And what is happening instead of like the technical aspects of like what a lens is doing at 35 millimeter or 85 millimeter, but like the, 
visual effect, the emotional effect it has on your images. Like there's like, there's something more to wax poetic about and it's not just numbers yeah. and technical bullshit. So that stuff's not as fun. The more you do this, like that stuff is like the least interesting thing about photography after a while, but personal yeah. relationships. Yeah. Um, I guess. Well, thanks for coming on and digging deep. Yeah. Thanks for having me. And I guess maybe, I don't yeah. know if you'll do it in your show notes, but um, if anyone wants to follow me, I'm photo warlock on Instagram and on Facebook. It's, facebook.com justin forward slash justin photos and then uh, you can find me and rob hall on high iso podcast and i have a new instagram account it's called justin jpeg uh jp jpeg it's my like my work is i'm going more um focusing my work towards health and fitness industries i'm trying to get more niche with my photography and that's a whole other topic now because i'm kind of trying <laughs> to get out of the wedding portrait rat race because there is a lot of us now and i'm getting kind of freaked out about it 